Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Don't forget this was back in those golden years when you would walk into a restaurant and they would ask you, smoking or non? Can you imagine <laughs> hear that, hearing that today? <laughs> I don't know if anyone ever asked him that question he, because he just walked in like with one in his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put me in the non smoking section, please. <laughs> These are the tales of golf past as you've never heard them before. Our guests tell stories blending historic rounds, on and off course moments, memories of personal catastrophe and elation, and yes, alcohol. I'm Jer. I'm Proy. I'm Joe. And I'm Megs. We do the work, you tell the story. These are the Lynx Stories. I'm Jer, and I'm going to tell you the story of the 1991 PGA Championship. So I want to start off with our our main character here, Jonathan Daly. I don't know if his name is Jonathan. It is now. So John Daly is obviously a very well-known figure uh, in golf, but not at this time. So I want to ask you guys, what what's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the name John Daly? Beer. Cigarettes. It's a good combination. Yeah. Uh, I think for me, it's um, like a carton of cigarettes and Diet Coke, a nice like six pack, uh, you know, with like the rubber um, things you're supposed to cut up so that ducks don't get caught in them in the, in the ocean. Uh, like that's kind of what he always stocked his bag with, um, allegedly. Um and you know, of course, there's also the mullet, the the swing, the 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 loudmouth pants, hooters, you know, whatever, all this stuff. But imagine that when you hear the name John Daly, you don't think of any of those things. You don't know anything about this guy. John Daly was the ninth alternate for the the 91 PGA championship. He only got in because of other guys withdrawing from injury. Uh, Nick price, I think had like a kid that week. So he withdrew last minute and literally the last guy in the field uh, at, at, you know, this major in in Carmel, Indiana at crooked stick golf club is, is John Daly. So that's kind of setting the stage for our main character, but you know, he's obviously not the focal point of any of this tournament at all at the beginning. Um, you know, in 91, this is when Arnold Palmer's still playing, uh, you know, not incredibly well. Um, I think he fired 
like a 77 or something like that in the first round. Uh, we've also got, you know, Jack Nicholas still playing and still contending at whatever age he's at, um, you know, probably 50 at this point. Um, you know, five years removed from being the oldest major champion at uh, the 86 Masters. We got Nick Faldo as, you know, one of the one of the stars of the game. Greg Norman's there. Um, all these guys, all, all these names that obviously are taking the spotlight um, and some of them playing well. And of course, the first round of, of a major championship is always kind of fun because you get you get to see the course, um, Crooked Stick, which I have always kind of attributed with being somewhere southern just because of the name is not in the south. But it's it's somewhere around like 7,200 yards, which back then I think is long, um, you know, is is long for, you know, average golfers now. But, you know, PGA Tour golfers, you know, they're playing, I don't know, 7,500 now um, with, you know, crazy rough and all that stuff. But um, you get some some names on the leaderboard in the first round, some, some good scores. I, I had mentioned Jack Nicholas shooting one under Faldo shot three under and was there in contention. Um, you know, Raymond Floyd, another good American golfer at the time, uh, Sandy Lyle and Ian Woosnam from, from overseas that are, you know, in contention there, uh, at four under and five under respectively. Um, and then you've got, you know, Kenny Knox and Bruce Litsky. Uh, you know, you've got something called a Kenny Green. Um, never heard of him. A, a Billy Ray Brown, you know, just a good 1991 golfing name. Uh, and I think as you as you look at footage of this this tournament, it's it's awesome, first of all. Everybody looks the same from the neck down. Uh, they all kind of look like if you're playing golden tee and you can only have like everybody's wearing khakis and you can only change the color of the polo. It's like that, but like add like 40 pounds on all those characters then you've got like the field of the 1991 PGA championship. Uh, what's awesome though about it is everybody's got flow. Uh, everybody's wearing, you know, either a rope hat or, you know, a big bill tour visor, like a bunch of things that are now swaggy, um, that, that were swaggy back then too. So it took, you know, a, a 30 year hiatus and now it's back. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where we're at, um, in the first round there. And, and, you know, the name I mentioned earlier, uh, does creep up there on the leaderboard, John Daly, um, who nobody knows about shoots a 69 and he's just, you know, he's only known as this guy with this big, long swing that hits it really far. Um, on the, on the broadcast, it's like they're astonished that he's hitting a pitching wedge, 150 yards or a sand wedge or something like that. Like, you know, and he, he nukes it over the green and they're like, Oh my God, imagine that. It's <laughs> I mean, of course, like guys weren't doing that back then, but it's it's funny to to kind of look at. Important um, to know, shoots a sixty nine yeah. without playing a practice round. I mean, the guy literally gets yeah. out of his car, walks onto the course, and says, "Here I am." That's right. 
uh, probably straight from Hooters. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know if they Excellent. had Hooters in 91, but, you know. Played a Wings, a few looks, and then said, I got to go play. I'll be back for you later. That's right. <laughs> Stop by the gas station on the way to the course and, you know, pick up some heaters and some, some DCs, and he's good to go. Um, his caddy, um, since we're, we're talking about John and, and he'll become a more prominent figure here in the second round, uh, his caddy obviously kind of just grabbed somebody off the scrap heap. Uh, we've got Jeff squeaky Medlin, uh, squeaky is just a fantastic nickname, but then when you see him and hear him, it's even more fantastic. Uh, he, he looks like uh, Smalls from the Sandlot, and he sounds like his name or nickname would be Squeaky. Uh, and he's just this little guy with with these horn rim glasses, and he's just awesome. So that's who we got as this, uh, you know, co-pilot with with uh, Big John. So. We go into the second round, and a lot of the same characters. Fallow start, Faldo starts to make a little bit of a charge, shoots a 69. Nice. Um, Craig Stadler is up there as well. Uh, he was actually you know, there in, in day one as well, but overlooked. Uh, it's hard to overlook a walrus, but I did. Um, let's see. We got, we got Fred Funk climbing in there as well, and then, of course, Fred Couples, smooth as ever. Uh, you know, just the, the silver fox, a little less silver back then. Uh, just, just a fox. Um, and then of course, you know, the, the big moves I think are another 69 from Bruce Litsky, uh, who, who takes solo second over Kenny Knox, who's uh one shot back, uh, at six under Bruce Litsky at seven under. And then, uh, solo first is, is our man, John Daly, the man from, University of Arkansas, uh, Razorback. He's got his Razorback uh, head cover there, his hog. And he, he's he's not doing anything in in terms of, you know, anything special necessarily, but he's, you know, it's special back then because he's just nuking the ball. He's just, he's hitting it. And, uh, you know, I think Stadler makes a comment that like he's hitting the ball in places that he's never even dreamed about it. Parts of the course he's never even seen. Um, it's clearly kind of that that Tiger effect before Tiger, but from a no name. So it's obviously not maybe quite as intimidating. It's kind of like, who is this guy? Rather than like, we're terrified of this guy that's just playing a different game than us. Um but and, and of course, I think even at that point, there's there's no consideration that this is that he's going to be able to hold on to this. We're we're two rounds in, and he's never even had a, a PGA Tour win, much less a major championship win. So I think it's a, a novelty story that that crowds starting to get behind, and even the players are, um, and it's kind of fun for them to see. But I don't think there's any any thought that he's gonna he's gonna win this thing. So headed into round three, of course, when it kind of, and I don't know the television schedule at that point, I think at some point every day, there was a little bit of coverage on CBS. Um, and, but, you know, particularly on the weekend when people aren't working and, you know, the leaders are, are there throughout the you know middle part of the day through the afternoon. Uh, it's really when America gets introduced to, to this 
specimen of of John Daly, who uh, looks, you know, he, he's slimmer back then, but still a, a big, hefty guy with his mullet, and the swing looks the exact same. Um, but you know, it, you see him getting warmed up as as the leader of the tournament after two rounds uh, on the range with his uh, his name placard written in Sharpie. And it's just like, all right, we're in 1991. Here we are. <laughs> oh, I should also mention, um, in case Mike Kennedy listens to this. So, um, Bruce Litsky, who's who's you know in, in contention here, um, has one of the most kind of nightmare fuel uh, putting outlooks uh really of all time i would say so he's got he's got a very vertical stance he's got about as long of a long putter as you can imagine like maybe imagine like you know what like nba players if they're using a long putter like it might be about this length it's it's pretty damn long it's about under his chin um and you know he he's he's got you know the the left hand high grip with the the right hand low. It's not a claw, fortunately, but he's also wearing his his golf glove on his left hand as he's putting. Um, and I'm sorry if if your body is shaking just listening to this, but you know, really, the only redeeming quality is that he rocks like a, a pretty great big bill visor with with his curly flow coming out. Uh, but you know, just about every putt, you know, even if they're they're good putts, I just kind of like say like, fuck this guy, like. <laughs> my breath as i'm watching so yeah it's pretty bad if you think uh if you if you're a non-long putter proponent these days uh go watch the highlights of the 91 pga championship and uh you'll feel a little bit better about the status of today's game so we move into the third round and some of the names that, that I mentioned before kind of fall off and it kind of consolidates a little bit to, to a group of Faldo, Litsky, Stadler, Knox, and John Daly. Um, there's a couple other names that I don't remember that are there as well, but sorry, you missed your, your chance at being framed in immortality here, but I don't remember you. Um, so the third round is taking place and Daly's just still doing his thing. Uh, you know, just making birdies, just not getting into to trouble. Um, there then becomes a moment where uh, some controversy kind of bubbles up. So our boy Squeaky on the bag is lining up a, a putt up at Flagstick and he's behind the hole. This is on the 11th green. And it's probably 35 foot putt. So it's a, it's a big one. He and John are kind of talking. Um, and Squeaky's maybe like five feet behind the cup, a little bit off to the left, and kind of sets the bottom of the flagstick down as he holds it. And he's talking. And it looks like they're talking about the line. He kind of makes like a, a hand gesture at, at what the break might be. And and then Daly kind of waves him off and, and he goes off to the side. Daly hits the putt and uh, a fairly straight putt. He plays it out to the left and it doesn't really come back to the right as much as he thought. Comes a little bit. 
this doesn't really become a thing until the end of the round when they're they're coming off the green and they talk to some officials they actually go into the cbs tv trailer and they review the tape together with the rules official uh, about a possible two-shot penalty for caddy touching the player's line which is obviously a, a penalty for those that well it's a penalty for those that that don't know and the the claim by squeaky is that he was just trying to ask John whether or not he wanted the, the flag tended. I don't know. I mean, it looks a little bit like he's kind of pointing out a line. They talk about how it broke the other way, like it broke left to right and they were playing it that way. I don't know how well that excuse would hold up in the, uh, in the 2021 court of law and the court of Twitter. Um, I think we'd have a little bit more, a few more angles. I think we'd have a, a bit more audio. Um, and I think we'd have a few more angry callers in. Um, he ended up not getting assessed a two shot penalty daily, you know, said like he wasn't pointing out a line. I wasn't going at that point, that kind of thing. I think it's fortunate that daily either played it out to the left or pulled it or whatever happened um because i don't think it was a putt that broke all that much and i mean hey i i want john daly to win this thing more than anyone i was uh you know of course one year old but i was i was watching intently and i was uh planning to tweet when it was uh when my account was active 20 years later was that discussed uh before daly had signed his card yeah, I believe so. So, I mean, they kind of kept that that in mind and pulled him off right after and went straight in there, uh, came out and then decided there was no penalty and then finished it off. So, I mean, it was obviously concerning because it was a two-shot penalty that, that would have occurred, but nothing qualification-wise. Um, in terms of what that meant, because this was all happening in the middle of the round and then, you know, later on... Um, so Daly had had grown his lead from one to three by the end of the round behind, uh, or I'm sorry, in front of um, Kenny Knox and Craig Stadler, uh, as well as uh, then Bruce Litsky was four back. So a good little a good little gap there uh, that obviously would have been shrunk quite a bit if um, if the two shot penalty had been assessed, but. Uh, we didn't have to deal with any of that. Um, and then rather than skipping straight to the final round, Daly decides that he's going to attend the Indianapolis Colts preseason game and not just attend, like he he ends up being called onto the, the field at either before the game or halftime. And, you know, he gets introduced as the, the guy that's leading the PGA championship and like, imagine that happening today. Just like, <laughs> yeah, we're going to have whoever's winning on the field and just like, you know, create even more pressure if that's possible. <laughs> just absurd to think about. And I'm sure John was slamming some beers there. He, he didn't go full like stone cold Steve Austin and smash a couple cans at the 50 yard line. But uh, at least there wasn't footage of that happening, but that probably just happened in his in his nosebleed seats. So that was interesting. And then he arrives at the. Actually, hold on. Let me get some get some libation. 
quit your whistle. <laughs> oh man. All right, so then the final round comes and as as John Daly, the uh leader in the clubhouse headed into that final round shows up at the course. He's got a bunch of junior high love letters on his locker. They're they're all over his the outside of the door. He opens it up. It basically spills out with more of these love letters. It's, it's kind of creepy, but apparently uh, everybody was rooting for him. He gets a nice letter from Jack Nicholas saying, "Way to go, John! Keep it up, and will you be my Valentine check? Yes or no?" <laughs> just just some interesting stuff. But he actually starts off and bogeys the first hole, and drops his three shot lead to two it's actually so he's he's got a three shot lead headed into the day over again kenny knox and craig stadler bruce litsky is seven under uh by the time they tee off um and daily bogeys the first litsky birdies the first and knox pars it he's actually playing with knox so there's uh, a two shot lead over over litsky and knox John immediately birdies back uh, the next hole in true champion fashion and kind of maintains that buffer throughout the day. Actually, you know, grows to a more comfortable lead kind of like halfway through. Uh, Just before the turn, he's got like a five or six shot lead over both of those guys. He's just kind of doing his thing. Still taking driver all the time, sprinkling a, a few birdies here and there, not bogeying anything else. Really until he gets to that finishing turn of kind of 16, 17. So he's got he's got like a six six shot lead, seven shot lead, something like that. Uh, that's not true. He's got like a f- I don't know five shot lead, and you know makes par on sixteen, does fine. Uh, 17, it's a par three. It's littered with fans all the way around. It's almost like a stadium atmosphere. And kind of for the first time in this round outside of the first hole kind of shows that he's, he's human and he's, uh, susceptible, um, to maybe some nerves. Maybe it's just, uh, you know, the aspect of, of his grip it and rip it style, but, Puts it in the bunker. It's the deepest bunker on the course. He's able to get out of the bunker. Not very close to the to the pin. He's got maybe like a 25-footer coming back down. Kind of rolls it quite a bit by and has like a six-footer or so for his bogey, actually. And it's like, all right, come on, John. And <laughs> uh, he misses that as well. And so he ends up walking away with a double on 17. And his his five shot lead drops to three shots over Bruce Litsky, who's just kind of making pars, not putting much pressure on him. Well, so he, he walks up to the 18th tee, and you'd think, okay, well, you got a three shot lead here. You just made double. Like, don't do anything stupid. Let's. There's water all along the right. It's this, you know, dog leg right around the water, very much like uh, kind of that the 18th at Bay Hill. And he, of course, takes off that uh, Razorback head cover and hits driver and just nukes it down the left side of the fairway and just, you know, does his thing. 
walking down the fairway, mullet just flowing in the breeze. Four daily gets up to the green. Um, and, and the group in front of him is, is Bruce Litsky. Um, you know, trying to put any kind of pressure he can. He's got this, he didn't play the whole great, um, has this long, um, maybe like 30 foot down the hill, uh, kind of on the safe side of the green, long lag putt uh, for a par. So, you know, you'd think it would be a birdie putt, struggled to get there. So he's got this putt for par, uh, just makes this bomb, just drains it. And the crowd goes wild. It's, you know, awesome. He finishes at nine under. He's the leader in the clubhouse. Uh, you know, of course, three shots behind uh, behind Daly at that point with, with him coming up on down the fairway. But uh, at least put some semblance of pressure that, you know, Daly can't do what he did on 17. And all he's got to do is hit an eight iron on the green. And, and he's got this thing in the bag. Uh, that's exactly what he does. And then there's this iconic shot of him of like hooting and hollering and waving his arm around trying to get the the crowd going as he knows what what's coming for him uh as unbelievable as it as it seems you know, daly's walking up to the green hooting and hollering he's got the crowd you know just going crazy that this this is actually going to happen gets up there has a very similar putt to to litsky uh like 30 feet down the hill um uh, Kenny Knox is, um, he, he kind of finishes out before him, uh, is kind of whacking the ball around, uh, you know, just trying to, to get in there and finish. And he finishes solo fourth, uh, an admirable effort for someone I've never heard of. Um, and anyway, so Daly's got basically the same putt that Litsky has down the hill, 30 feet gives it a run in true John Daly fashion. Thinks it might come back from from the left to right. Uh, it starts to a little bit. He kind of gives gives like a, a step and and raises his arms up a little bit. Uh, a little premature celebration. Uh, ends up not breaking and rolls some six feet past the hole. You know, giving it a good, a good run, but not something he necessarily needs to be doing. But I'm all for that. Like, I mean, this is, this encapsulates John Daly, right? Like he's, he's not going to try and lag it there. He's trying to make it. And you always kind of want to see that long putt to go in or really just like any putt. Like I personally always like to see a major one or really any tournament one on like a non tap in. Like it's great if it's, even if it's like five feet, like he makes the putt to finish anyway, walks up to that six footer basically like you know walks up to it and hits it like doesn't you know it's it's great to like his pace of play is is top notch um especially on the 18th hole at a major when you know he's got the tournament on the line he's yeah. got a reservation at hooters that's I mean, right that's right <laughs> john's, got, you know, john's got shit to do <laughs> he, he ran out of his last diet coke and like back in the fairway and he's been out of cigarettes for the last two holes that's why he doubled exactly Anybody so got a spare square? He's he's got to hit up that uh, that Conoco station on the way home. Like he needs air to breathe. Um, so he walks up to that six footer, just kind of bangs it and and makes it, and just immediately uh, squeaks or squeaky or whatever the hell his name is. Uh, just gives him a big hug, basically crushes him like a bear, um, 
and just, you know, he throws the putter, just. I'm looking at a picture of him, and I was thinking, I'll just walk away from the 18th green, and somebody realizes that Squeaky's out there with a broken spine. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was a bear hug. <laughs> just the sprinklers come on over his body <laughs> as he's laying there. <laughs> I don't think we had great audio back then, but when that hug occurred, do you think he like squeaked like a squeaky toy? <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> every, like, every dog within a mile, like their ears perked up. Exactly. <laughs> a small animal is dying, and I need to see what it is. <laughs> um, his wife at the time, I think this is wife number one of, I don't know how many. 17. Um, that sounds right. Um, and, you know, gives her a big hug. She's kissing his face and and he's done it as the ninth alternate, the last guy in the tournament, the guy with basically no status, no PGA Tour wins, wins the PGA Championship at, at Crooked Stick. As winding as his career was up to that point, we obviously know what unfolded after that. It was um anything but straight and narrow but i think that this is the perfect place to to have done it at, at a, a course called crooked stick for for john daly to capture the hearts of everyone to to get this moment where spotlight was on him he was out of nowhere at all this kind of promise and there were always flashes obviously but you know he put it all together for for the whole week there, condensed week really, as as Benj mentioned earlier, that he you know didn't even have really a chance to to do much other than show up. But yeah, I mean, to to do this at, at Crooked Stick and then have a uh, an, an anything but but straight and narrow finish to to his career going forward, it was I think some people may be disappointed that that there wasn't more of this from John Daly, but think this is as john daly as it gets that it was going to be these flashes of greatness that you know he wasn't going to change anything about himself he was going to be john daly swinging that that huge swing making a double on 17 and hitting driver on 18 with a three-shot lead like that's that's who john daly is and that's how he's always going to be wasn't boring it wasn't him deciding to to go to bed at nine o'clock and setting his alarm for, for six o'clock for the continental breakfast. It was, it was going to the Colts game and probably having some beers and wings and, and probably being up late, smoking some heaters and then getting up and reading through all his Valentines and, and, and just showing up and, and just going out there and having a, a fun day on the golf course and riling up the crowd. Like he wasn't like trying to stay focused or anything. He was just, he was being John. And, and that's how we know him now as, as this guy that has, has his own unique style, has his demons, has, has his vices. And, and it's what makes him golfer that, that we all love. What do you think his post, uh, post round celebration looked like? I mean, again, I don't know when Hooters was open, um, <laughs> but Hooters or a like establishment, most certainly a strip club with or without the wife, who knows? Hooters was founded in 1983. Perfect. So Hooters and then, yes, strip club. Well, of, on the way to Hooters, 
the uh, aforementioned uh, Conoco station restock. Yeah, and then I, I would imagine that that night didn't end maybe until the sun came up and then uh, maybe just kept on kept on going that next day. Probably, I don't know, saw the the sights and scenes of Carmel, Indiana at its finest. There you have it. That is the story. And these are the Lynx stories. Was it 100% accurate? Yeah, that sounds right. Follow us on Twitter at the Lynx Stories. Also, see all of our inebriated storytelling podcasts as part of the Stories Podcast Network at the Stories Pods on Twitter as our guests rewrite the past across various sports. Alcoholic drinks are consumed voluntarily by our guests at their own discretion. Please drink responsibly. Oh, man. I think you also forgot to mention as part of his routine, you know, getting up and getting ready for the day with that flow. Rinse, lather, repeat. Always <laughs> repeat. I'm hot now, so I'm going to take this off and then we'll get going for the final run. <laughs> nice tits. Pardon my nipples. <laughs> it's an NC-17 pod now. That's right. Okay. I got so close, I got so close to that last night. Then <laughs> taken away. <laughs> Uh, I have some notes on Jeff Squeaky Medlin here. Okay, please. Uh, worked most notably alongside John Daly and Nick Price. Oh, interesting. So maybe that's how uh, he, he came upon, upon this Squeaky. Is, yeah. Because uh, Nick Price is... Uh, dropped out. Yeah, his his child was born. So that's probably how he got him. Uh, Jeff debuted as a caddy in 1985 and got together with Price pretty quickly. Uh, with Price, uh, they won the Open Championship in 94 and the PGA in 92 and 94. Uh, in 91, he won, obviously, with um, John, Big John. Mm-hmm. And sadly, Squeaky died in 1997 at the age of 43. Oh, no. And he was posthumously inducted into the Caddy Hall of Fame, which is where I'm getting this information. Mm. In 1999. R.I.P. Squeaky. Another note about the the tournament is that um, during the the first round, there was a a weather delay, um, as as our co-host Pat Roy would say, inclement weather. <laughs> Um, with very dramatic fashion. Um, and so there was a lightning delay and a spectator was struck by lightning and actually died. Wow. Didn't have a water nearby? No, I guess not. And so it was obviously terrible. And then Daly actually donated, uh, 30 grand to the, the guy who died, uh, to his family for a college fund. Um, and both daughters ended up graduating from college, and one is now a doctor. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.